Reggie. Hello, thank you for joining me. I want to know everything. I'd love to hear about <laughs> your political background first and then move into the yoga, if that's okay. Okay, for sure, for sure. What is a strategist? A strategist, in my case, is basically having a seat at the table to influence the decisions of millions of voters or millions of dollars. More often than not, most people don't look like us in those rooms. And so like I have taken it as a badge of honor to be a leading strategist for the progressive left. Uh, so that has meant the impeachment trial, that has meant flipping the house, um, that has meant the electoral victory that we had last year during a pandemic and all these other things. So using my experiences, whether it be as an African-American male or as someone who grew up working class or a combination of all of those things to remind people in strategic positions not everyone is like you. So if you want to appeal to a broader set of people, maybe you should try different things. And so that's what I've done for about three and a half years now at the move on level. When Rashida Tlaib said impeach the MF, my colleagues weren't going to celebrate the victory of the squad and empowered black and brown women. And I was one of the people that was like, we need to celebrate this. Oh, why? We should hold everyone accountable because this is a first of for the first of first. So those are the types of nuances that I've offered through my lived experience as a strategist. Like, so, so basically a different way of doing things for all of our well-being. Beep, beep. Hi, friends. Have you heard of Brave? Brave is a fast, privacy-preserving browser that feels like Google Chrome, but without the ads and the various kinds of tracking that ads come with. I was using Chrome before for its minimal and uncluttered interface, but Brave has made it so easy to import bookmarks and extensions over that with its extra privacy feature, I'm a newfound fan. The Brave browser is free and available on all platforms and is actively used by more than 20 million people around the world. Speedwise, it feels more responsive and also feels private and secure. Try it out at brave.com. If you enjoy these episodes and you find that it adds value to your life, please consider supporting the podcast through Patreon, www.patreon.com slash higher states. Connect with me on Instagram at higher states with two S's at the end. Why two S's at the end, you ask? Well, someone out there is keeping the one with one S hostage and has not responded to my DMs. So if you're out there, please let me have it. Last time I checked, it didn't even seem like you use it. Okay, okay, I digress. Now, back to our show. When did you, in your journey, first feel the call of civic duty? <laughs> Funny story. I mean, <laughs> it happened in Rio de Janeiro, real talk. So in 2003, I quit my job and moved to Brazil. George Bush was president and I wasn't having it. I saw 9-11 happen with my own eyes. Like I saw the plane hit the Pentagon. And I was in a company doing global strategy for a marketing company. They were just whack, right? They were just super whack. And I was like, you know what? Bless y'all, but I got money in the bank and I'm 26. See ya. And so moved to Brazil. I was there for Carnival. So just had the times of my life with a Z times of my life. It was amazing. And <laughs> the Iraq war started when I was there. And so I had this funny thing as I'm partying my behind off at Carnival. Like, I'm just like, what's happening in the States? So I did my best to try and ignore it. All my Brazilian friends are like, what's happening in the States, I'm like, y'all see that I'm here with you, right? You see that I'm in Brazil. Like, I don't care, la la la, it's not happening. 
So I did my best to try and party away that conscience. So I partied for like four months, <laughs> hardcore, and then woke up one day and was like, okay, you can't drink this away, right? Like, so like you're trying to not care and you still do. So you need to figure out what to do about that. So in the summer of 2003, I left Brazil, came back home and was gonna go make a change and do all these things. And uh, started out with the John Kerry campaign in December of 2003. And that's how it started. Got involved then and have been in and out ever since because politics, especially at this level, is like the Hotel California. You can't leave. You can check out from time to time, but you ain't leaving. What have you found up until now the importance of getting the everyday person involved in civic engagement and just having them care right. and be a part of the conversation? So it's, it's tricky, right? Because the system has been set up for people not to care. And I honestly don't know if I would have cared if I didn't grow up in the DC metro area, right? So I grew up with politics down the street. And what I've been able to do through my activism, but also through yoga is just remind folks that they want you not to care. That's how the game is, right? So, you know, for, for people who are like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, that's exactly what they want you to think. So you're going to be a sucker and get played like that? So like, look, is that what you want? You want to be played like that? Because that's exactly what's happening to you. And so I think the beauty of what has just happened is that people have woken up to some extent. We need to keep them engaged, but it's essential. We need regular people to care because if they don't care, then the people, and I know this firsthand from my, my experience on Capitol Hill, if regular people don't make their voices heard, then they are going to do what they want to do. So our job, and, and more importantly, the system, our, our system is predicated upon citizen engagement. So our job is to, and my job as a strategist and thought leader and all the things, is to not only show that we should do it, but it's kind of dope to be involved and do cool stuff, right? To do, I've done a lot of videos, I've done a lot of like audio stuff, just to be like, yo, this is, I'm just like you. I'm not no high and mighty, ha ha, no, 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 I'm Reggie from Maryland, who's in this fight just like you. Yeah, I know some people, but they just like you too. And so making it more accessible gives people not only a chance to care, but a chance to stay involved. I think it's so key to have people of color be leaders in this arena because someone who is of color is more likely going to listen to either you or me say something correct yeah. than, you know, a 50-year-old white person who knows nothing about how they grew up, their neighborhood, what music they listen to. I'd love to see it. Yeah. And they'll take it at face value. So for whatever reason, I have the blessing that all people listen to me. Black folk, brown folk, all, all, all POC listen to me. And I have the ability to speak to the establishment. For me, it's an interesting juxtaposition because I'm not used to that, right? So like, I'm not used to being heard on all sides. So it's, it's in this moment, I think it's essential because I can communicate to everybody. So, you know, I've been in meetings where I got told like either Chuck Schumer's people or Nancy Pelosi's people, that's really not wise. I'm speaking from my experience, but you know, I'm one of the few POC in the room. So I'm not just speaking for me, I'm speaking for everyone who looks like me and, and everyone who thinks like me, who you don't necessarily have to look like me to think like me. Yeah, you're a bridge. Yeah. Yeah, we need more of you. <laughs> how, how many in the room? Our POC? If I were to give a percentage, the upper percentage is 10. Got it. 
Yeah, on a good day. You have to give them the invitation to care. Here I go with my yoga and, and Buddhist philosophy stuff. There are ways to communicate. And, and you know, my, I have a, because I'm the bridge between like the grassroots and the establishment, Capitol Hill speaks a certain way. And so you can't go, come in like, yeah, like, like that's just not how it works up there. However, if they trust you and you speak their language, you know, some people call it code switching. I just call it good, good communication, right? So like, if you are, become a trusted resource, which I have, they care a lot. And, you know, I have the, I've got the scars on my back to prove, like I've been in these fights and in these streets with them, right? So like they, like, and, and I also have the benefit of not speaking often, right? So people are like, oh man, Reggie just spoke up. Oh my God, you know, like, it, like something's really going down. So I don't have the reputation of being like, blah, blah, blah. I'm usually like this. And then I'll be like, so in that instance, I would say they care a lot, depending on who the messenger is. The problem is, which is, I think, what you were getting at, how do we get more messengers <laughs> that are heard by them? That's a challenge. Do you work with the youth? Yeah. Yeah, um, what do you do with them? So today, this, this was so dope. I had the opportunity to speak on the, uh, about civic engagement in yoga for a uh, Black male charter school in Baltimore, Maryland. So being from Maryland, it was dope to talk to, like, little boy, little nerdy black boys, like, cause ain't, like when I was young, we had nothing like this. So the chance for me to talk to them was just, was just a delight. I'm gonna read you the, um, if I can find my phone, I'll read you a thank you letter that I got from the principal. So I talked to the kids for 30 minutes and this is what the principal said to me. Good morning. I'm writing to express my utmost gratitude to you for sharing with our boys, parents, faculty, and staff this morning. I believe that everyone in our community walked away from our short time together wanting to hear more about your experiences. I thoroughly enjoyed you being politely and fiercely unapologetic about who you are and what you believe. We work diligently to instill this in our boys. It is only when they interact with brothers that are successfully and happily living their best black life does being unapologetic black and successful in certain career arenas begin to solidify for them. Again, I appreciate you taking time to pour into our community. I look forward to growing a relationship with you. So yeah. that was a, right. So 200 people, parents, it was in this format. So everyone saw, like I had my little Prince thing over the shoulder, my yoga mats back there too. This is my little dojo. Like this is where I teach my online classes. So they saw me as me in my dojo, talking yoga philosophy and civic engagement like this. Hair was picked out, total just brother with a fro talking about, yeah, and I told him a story, this is actually pretty funny, because one of them was like, so have you ever met any of the Secret Service? I was like, not only have I met the Secret Service, I was like, I accidentally kicked Joe Biden on Air Force Two. So I was coming out of the bathroom, so they invited me to go up to the cockpit to watch, you know, just why not? Like, you're not on Air Force too often, right? So I go up to the cockpit, come out, use the bathroom, come out and kick somebody, look, and it's Joe Biden right there. I'm like, huh, right? And so it's, it's a story and it's true. And I was like, so look here, boys, if you ever on Air Force Two, don't kick the vice president. And so they laughed. So like, I got to ex explain that story, gave them some humor in this body. Yeah, I'm a huge believer is you need to have an example or a visionary thing to see what you can be of what is possible. And that's right. what's so great about having a brown woman as vice president right now. Absolutely.
talking to you reminds me, I need to send them pictures. So what I'm going to do, thanks for this conversation, is send the principal pictures of me with those people. Yeah. yeah. And how did you find yoga? So I found yoga through a great friend of mine who basically, if it were not for yoga, like, your boy runs hot. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be like activists. There's activism requires a certain amount, amount of tenacity and fire like you need like that's essential and let's just say the fire sometimes would consume your boy you know what i'm saying so like um i had a friend um because i had applied for two insane jobs in the obama administration so i was applying to either be the deputy assistant secretary for international education or deputy chief of staff of the Department of Education. Because that's the other thing, education is near and dear to my heart because it's given me everything. And were it not for education and being a nerd, I wouldn't have had the curiosity to do all the things that I've done. So I applied for both of those jobs, got neither, okay? So called in all the favors, like did all the things, made it to the top two for both, got neither one. Oh my God, you want talking about heartbreak. So cried for a month and then was salty and pissy for another month. Basically noticed then I was like, okay, so it was pre-yoga, but like I, I majored in philosophy in college. So I noticed like, I was like, okay, so you're sliding into this self-destructive pattern. Please, please, we need to figure out where to stop this. So please, it's not like I'm the worst. Why did, you know, all the things that happen when you don't quote unquote, get what you want. So a and I made this checklist where I was like, okay, I'm only going to do anything that is blows my blood pressure, is beautiful, and is creative. So that was my, my, my criteria to do anything for my healing process. So I went to the, um, I went to the uh, art museums a lot and all the things. So one of my friends is like, you should come, um, go, come to yoga with me. And I'm like, blood pressure, creative, okay. So took one class and then was just like, this is, okay, I'm gonna figure this out, right? Okay, I'm gonna try this. And so started yoga from a, a curiosity standpoint. And after I went for those jobs I told you about, I had to leave Washington DC, like, cause that's like you go for, that's like you ask someone to marry you and they say, no, well, shit, I can't kick it here no more. Oh my God, like I really gotta go. So I moved to Colorado for a job that I thought was a dream job that became a nightmare. And yoga was the thing that kept me from cursing these people out. So I started with a curiosity and like all that, you know, blood pressure, all that other stuff, took this job. And then on day six, they really started hazing me. And they would be like, why did we hire you? Like all this sorority white girl craziness. And I'm sitting here feeling like the hair on my neck stand up like, and I'm like, you can't curse them out, man. Like you're $5,000 in the hole. Oh my God. And then I'm like, so what am I going to do to not curse them out? Because it was right here. It was right on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, I was like, let me go try this yoga thing out. And so I went into a studio, uh, Kindness Yoga in, in, in Colorado, way back in the day in 2015. And I was just like, um walk in beautiful woman named trisha was just like oh hey you know we've got this new member special blah 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 30 days 30 dollars well i had 100 beans i was just like what do 100 get me i'm gonna be here a lot right and what ended i ended up doing so i went to sunrise and sunset asana and what i didn't know was happening is that i was clearing space that i was alchemizing like my thoughts and like the whole linking breath and movement i didn't know what was happening i was just trying not to curse out my boss so 
when they fired me via text message uh, 10 months later, yeah, yes, child, yes, exactly. It was like, it was Mean Girls and Heathers and all the things, right? So they fired me via text message and then on some passive aggressive stuff, they're like, we should have an exit interview. And I was just like, so y'all know that we don't need no exit interview. But I was like, I do, want, I do want to thank you for something. And they're like, what's that? I was like, I want to thank you for how poorly you treated me because you gave me the wisdom on how to deal with adversity with grace. And then I bowed and then I called my mom and my aunt afterwards. I'm like, this yoga shit, oh my, like, yo, they just fired me via text message and I thanked them, oh my goodness. So that started my yoga journey. So from the first class to being fired via text message, that was 10 months. And then from then, it just took off. Yeah, I've been practicing yoga for 15 years. Without it, I would be a hot mess. It really right? is the foundation for my life, yeah. Right. What has it given you? It has given me tremendous equanimity, ridiculously so. There is no global political strategist without yoga. There is no, because the activist piece, uh, the one thing I, I, I want to also add is that we talked a little bit about my political career prior to yoga. So there, like my, my political career has two years, two, it's like A yoga, after yoga, B, BY, before yoga. Before yoga, 18 hour days, bourbon and cigarettes for breakfast, calling people MF for sport, all these things, and just like the toxicity of all of that. And when I got fired via text message from that job, the next week I joined the Bernie Sanders campaign in 2015. Went to them and was just like, okay, look, I know y'all want me to be traveling producer and like aesthetic consultant and all these things. I practice yoga now, like for real, for real though. Like it's, it's my, it's my thing. Like these, and this isn't jewelry. I pray with these be like, this is my thing. And if this job gets in the way of my health or my yoga practice, I'm quitting. And they're like, haha. I'm like, no, I'm dead serious. So they said yes to me. And I said yes to yoga. And, I, and one of my teachers, uh, cause I was nervous because the one thing that um, when I left Rio, and came back to the States. I left Rio's in the best shape of my life, right? And then two years later had gained 90 pounds just from grind, 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 and all this other stuff. So I was a bit terrified, honestly, of rejoining the political world. And my yoga teacher was like, look, ma'am, you have a chance to basically show what discipline is, right? You know, you can use this as the crucible through which you just have tapas and tages and all these things. And I'm like, see, okay. This is why I kick it with you. So I, I took that and basically had that level of discipline all throughout the Bernie Sanders campaign and was key and I bore witness to a whole bunch of wild stuff. The most important thing being I produced Bernie's concession at the Democratic Convention in 2016. Yoga gave me that discipline to just not only stick with it while traveling everywhere, carry my mat and like do, you know, people have, and I think teachers fall into this category as well. There is no one size fits all. You know what I mean? You don't always have to go to a 90 minute class. You don't always have to teach a 90 minute class. Some of the best classes I teach are 26 minutes, right? It's called the Wellness Express. So, so we get in alignment, pranayama, energetics, go, 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 meditate, blessing, right? So the yoga has given me the discipline, but also the creativity to understand the season I am in my life, right? So like if I am in a time which is super spacious, 
then I can go and do all the trainings and all these other things. But if I'm, if I'm in like hardcore campaigning and I've only got like 20 minutes a day, give the best 20 minutes of whether it be Joppa or whatever, and that counts too, right? So it's giving me that flexibility. And it's just giving me just so much compassion for self and other people that I just didn't know was possible, right? So to believe that there are some people that are doing the best that they can with what they got. And my job is not to pass judgment on you. My job is to help alleviate suffering. And I help alleviate suffering through unrelenting compassion, not through, not through critique and judgment. So all of those things that I just articulated to you are because of the discipline yoga practice. And the other thing I'll share is that me investing in the practice has been the only thing that has had a return on investment that has blown my mind, right? So it, whether it be the 10 month of me not cursing those people out and then like, thank you for firing me on that. Then when I finished my 200 hour training, we flipped the house. And so I was intimately involved in flipping the house 200 hour ends intimately involved in 300 hours. And this is how mystical and hippie my life can be sometimes. My 300 hour graduation was three days after the impeachment vote in the house in 2019 on the solstice. I didn't plan that. That's just kind of how it, you know, manifested. And, and last year I started teaching like for real, for real. And as I started teaching, that has been the other thing that has blown up in terms of just like the gift that keeps on giving. So the more I invest in this thing, it basically heals. And as I heal, I'm able to inspire other people. Yes. Yeah, I love hearing that you are part of Bernie Sanders campaign. He is such an inspiration to me and a beacon of light of what a human can do with their time here on earth. His mm -hmm. consistency yeah. and devotion and fervor for the people and for his values. He's never wavered. He was, he was marked. Yeah, he was marching with MLK. He's still marching to this day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, him and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> they, are, they are the same to me. Tell me more about that. Well, Dave, look, he walked away from Comedy Central from a $50 million deal and went to Africa where no one would bother him right. because they were trying to change who he was. And he didn't want to change his art. He didn't want to change his message. Mm -hmm. His art was for a specific type of person and he wasn't willing to water that down right. to be agreeable with these advertisers yeah. and shareholders. You know, 20 years later, he gets paid out because he asks his fans and his loyal people who love his art and him to not watch his show. Right. That's streaming on Netflix and HBO. And so the numbers went down and they finally came back around and said, all right, Dave, here you go. Right. Look what happens when you don't waver from your values. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what's yeah. up. Has there been a time for you where you have been in a crossroads like that, where you've had to choose, nah, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to, uh, what is the word? Uh, let okay. go of who I am. 
Yeah, um, honestly, like the, the craziest thing is that like the I'm probably going to be writing a book over the next six months because like it's like the adventures of Black Hippie, like how like yoga helps fuel the, the resistance or something like that. But um, impeachment's a perfect example because like everyone thinks that it's an eventuality. But when Rashida said what she said, there were like six people that were for it. Right. <laughs> so like and I was one of the lead representatives, not only in general, but like because I was standing right next to her when she said what she said. So like we were not persona non grata, but people were just kind of like, you know, we kind of wish that you hadn't said that. And so at some point I'm like, okay, sure. And you know, even my people internally at move on at first, they were just like, well, oh, we don't like her language. I was like, see, there y'all go being all Puritan and crazy. Like, so allow my Baltimore to speak to you for a second. I was like, he is an MF. Like he jails children. Right. So like that, that's not like an honorable thing. Like he is that in like in, in Detroit, L.A., like wherever you are, that's not like uptight. He is that. So number one. And then a, a story I tell often, which is true, is that um, I was I am the one of the main liaisons between like the grassroots and the speaker's office. And we have a great relationship now, but it has not always been that way. And this is like to your point. Um, la April 2019, I was invited to present before the speaker. Um, what's happening with Move On, what's happening in the grassroots, all of those things. And her people asked me not to mention impeachment. And I was just like, all right, I can't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, that's not real. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm working on. That's what we care about. Like, I as Move On's representative, like my 10 million members, that's what they rock. And for you to ask me not to say that is for me then I don't really work for you. Like, so I got to rep them and that's what I'm here for. And they were like, well, please don't mention it. And I was like, well, don't call on me. Cool. So they called on me and I was like, and a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, of, exactly. So a little bit of backstory is that the day after this call, we were going to be delivering 10 million signatures for, for impeachment. So like the grassroots were going to be delivering a petition that had 10 million signatures across org, all this other stuff. And um, they call on me, man. And I'm like, well, Madam Speaker, move on's working on four eyes. The eyes are Iran investigations, immigration and impeachment. And tomorrow we're gonna be delivering 10 million signatures, blah, 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 blah. So set it, like phone blows up, like we told you not to say it. And I'm like, I told you not to call up, you know what I mean? So like all these things. And I was in the doghouse for a hot second. Only and but didn't relent, you know, it was just like, nah, yo, like, first of all, I don't, you're not gonna bully me, number one, like, number two, just like, I told you not to call on me, I'm gonna keep it like, I'm just being 100 with you. So, but because I was so integral it, with integrity, when impeachment became a thing, and I didn't really go out and be like, F y'all, I was just like, you trying to get me to be something I'm not, I don't play that game. Cool. When impeachment became a thing, you know what happened? They were like, Reggie, like, can you help advise us here? So when it became a thing, because I never wavered, like I stuck by Rashida, they said, don't mention impeachment. I'm like, don't call on me. They called on me, I mentioned it. <laughs> and then when it became a thing, I helped like lead like strategy meetings in the Capitol, right? But, it, but, but that's the path, right? I went from like, 
awesome to awful to Reggie, you're so smart. I'm like, I'm the same dude. All right, cool. <laughs> like, all right. But yeah, that, that's a perfect example. And I'm blessed that it, it all happened in like six months, right? So I didn't have to wait forever. Yeah. I mean, all the leaders of the world from Gandhi to Jay-Z, that's what they say is first they hate you, then they'll make fun of you, then they love you. Right. So for the youth, what would you say to them if they feel like they don't know where to stand with that? What would you say to inspire them to live their truth and stay true to who they are and their values? So one of the things that happened today, um, I wish I could see, I don't know if they recorded it, but I really want to mention, uh, I really want to watch what I um, talked to those kids earlier today. But I know that I said that, because um, they asked me about my, when I was a youth. You know, I grew up in like the uh, late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, America was in Reagan, super racist, whatever, right? So like a smart black kid, which I am and was, um, my guidance counselor asked me if I, where I wanted to go to college. And I told her Princeton because Princeton almost beat Georgetown that year in the NCAAs. And a uh, huge basketball fan, whatever. You know what she told me? Cause she was just like, um, you know, statistically speaking, uh, if you go to college, it'll only be a community college. So I really wouldn't get your hopes up, blah, 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 blah. So 13 year old me, somehow, I was just like, ma'am, you know, you asked me a question, I got a question for you. And she's like, what's the question? I was like, how do I get a new counselor? I was like, because you clearly have no interest in helping me achieve my dreams. And so I don't even see why the need, I don't see why we're speaking. And I said that to them. And I was like, I want, I want to unpack that story for y'all youngsters. So I wasn't disrespectful, but I did stand up for myself. Right. And that's how, that's what I would say. That's how you do it. Like if you know in your heart that what you are doing is right, you don't have to be like, okay, you can just be like, I disagree with you and I need to figure out a way to make this work on my own. And, 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 and that's what I did. And, you know, I would love to like go back and talk to 13 year old me and be like, yo, where did that come from, man? You know, cause I know that um, to some extent, you know, I, I'm the embodiment of my ancestors' prayers. My grandfather did tell me stories about when he was younger and smart that they would be like, you know, ain't no way a niggas that smart, blah, blah, blah. So he told me those stories. And so it's stuck in here somewhere so that when um, my guidance counselor was like, uh, statistically speaking, and here's the other thing too, like I had a three, six out of four, oh, you know, I was class secretary, went on to be class president, all these other things. So you ain't had no business saying that, I mean, no, no shade on community college. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that like, you don't tell the class secretary who has a three, six, who has been a high achieving student his whole life this statistically speaking you don't say that to them so and went off to Yale <laughs> right and but she you know she awakened the giant though and, that, and that's what I said to them I was just like because the other part of that story because this is just how ancestors work in my life she came up to me at graduation and was like I knew that you could do this blahs blahs and so I'm just like all right look the only credit you can take for this is that you awaken the sleeping giant yeah like that's all you can take credit for. Like you were the match that lit the flame that blew the doors off all this other stuff. So what I would say to the youth is that like, if you know, no, don't let nobody tell you otherwise. And 
learn to cultivate the ability to stand up for yourself without tearing somebody else down. You know what I mean? Because like what I could have done is been like, oh my goodness, you disrespected me. I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. I didn't do that. I was just like, ma'am, I've got a question for you. How do I get a new counselor? Oh, yeah, cat got your tongue. I'm dead serious, dead ass serious. How do I get a new counselor? And I got one. And he worked with me and I ended up at Yale. That's amazing. You had that poise at 13. Yeah. Right. Have you experienced a lot of racism in your life, childhood or adulthood? It, different flavors, I would say. Yeah, like I would say, I didn't know that I experienced a lot of racism until I left. So when I left Maryland and went to New Haven and would look back, I was like, oh my God, like I grew up in that, you know what I mean? So like, like the separation gave me some successful people of color, regardless of gender identity, are not appreciated in our culture. Um, they're just not. So we, many ways, more often than not, are forced to be entrepreneurial because the systems that are in place don't reward, sustainably reward what we have to offer. And I've been in situations where I've had to walk away from scenarios where they're like, you can do this or this. I'm like, but I am a both and kind of guy. You know, I was in a job once where they were just like, you can do this job or this job. I was like, I'm doing both of them at the same time, kicking ass and taking names. So where's this false, oh. The false choice is coming from the fact that I do both excellently makes you feel in whatever it is. So, yeah. Um, it has been something, and this is what I teach youth as well. I was like, it's kind of like, um, I would say, using a negative situation to your advantage, for lack of better terminology. I've used white supremacy to my advantage, and here's what I mean by that. Like, I'm a huge guy, so I'm 6'2", like 260. Everyone thinks I'm a linebacker, all these other things. I'm not athletic. Uh, my dexterity is mental and spiritual. If you want to think I'm a dumb jock and you can't read Y-A-L-E on my resume and your racism wants you to think that I'm stupid, thank you. Because what that means is that I don't have to work that hard to get past you. So your racism allows my excellence to surpass you. So that's one thing. And the other thing I would say and have said is that um, you don't always have to be, racism is the water that we swim in, but sometimes you just gotta get on land, right? You know what I mean? And, and what I mean by that is like, sometimes you just gotta do your own thing. So like one of the things that I've done with, with Active Peace Yoga is that like, I teach online, like the studio space really wasn't for me because like I'm not a skinny white chick and like, I'm doing me, right? So like you sign up for my class online, like it can be a Prince class or it can be whatever, but you're coming to me and I'm in control. I don't have to like kiss the studio managers behind. I don't have to like fight for time on the schedule. I set the schedule. Those are the things that I've been able to do to kind of counteract like the racism that exists in all the ways. So it's like, so I can't play by your rule. And the other thing is I teach Hatha style, not like flowy vinyasa because I'm not like, too much down dog hurts these shoulders. You know what I mean? So like I teach Hatha based and have been able to do quite well at it. And it's because we have to do our own thing sometimes. I think the, a major block is unawareness. 
And if we don't have a relationship or a direct experience with someone who might be different, we don't know their experience, how they see the world, how they're treated. All we have are our own assumptions. What would you say to people who are in that space? How do they have compassion and understanding for someone who has a different experience of life? especially in the U.S. Right, right. Um, one is that you have a different experience of life, but essentially you want the same things, right? We all want health, material stability, and the opportunity to do whatever we want, right? That is regardless of race. And to deny that from someone is not human, right? So like one of the things in one of the challenges that I have now is that politics is becoming more partisan and I'm shifting humanitarian, right? So like, I don't really care if you dim a Republican, right? I just want to like, can we build some stuff that works for all people? Like, I don't really care about if it's D or I or R or Q or whatever. I don't care about that because I, through yoga, meditation and all the things, am starting to just identify with like our common humanity, which is trippy because like for years I've been on the outside and now I'm just like, so how am I becoming so, oh, you know what I mean? So like, it's as if the universe is like, okay, you have your individualized experience, but like your excellence in your individualized experience has opened you up to the breadth of all humanity. Now serve all of humanity from your excellence. I'm like, oh, so that's how it works. Got it. So what I would say to folks is just like, you may not have the same experience as someone, but you have blood coursing through your arteries and veins, right? Like when you breathe in the nose and breathe out the nose, that's air and that's what they do too, right? So like there's certain biochemical, biophysical experiences that we all have in common that form the basis of the experience. So why can't we have an opportunity for all of us to have some level of happiness and and pursuit thereof. Yes. Well, that's a bodhisattva vow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To once become awakened, come back and help awaken others. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) So you're in Maryland now? Mm -hmm. And what's next for you? So I got some pretty cool stuff coming up. And so it's funny. Uh, Active Peace turns one year old on the uh, 4th of April. So wild, right? So oh, like, 4 4. Exactly, exactly. So craziness. Um, so a quick funny story about that. I had no intention of teaching whatsoever um, at all. But one of my teachers, Rod Stryker, um, basically at a training called me out in front of like 300 people. He's just like, you know, some people need to train less and teach more Reggie, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, that's not cool, son. You know what I mean? But then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe that's what I needed to hear. Like I'm kind of hard headed and blah, blah, blah. So that kick in the pants was almost a year ago to the day. So that was three, three, 2020. So like almost a year ago to the day. Pandemic hits 10 days after that. And when the pandemic hits, I am hella peaceful. Everyone's like, blah, and I'm like, you know, I'm at a yoga training in Colorado, like buying incense and flowers for like all, all these teachers are freaking out. And I'm like, well, and then I looked around, I was like, okay, 
something's different about something's different here. And all of the stuff to your question earlier about what yoga has given me, I was so peaceful that I was like, this is what I have to give. Okay. So that's where active peace came from, where I'm like, everyone and their mama's uh, freaking out. I've got this deep peace that I've cultivated through hatha, through meditation, through these other things. So come through, we'll have a digital sangha, and we'll figure out this thing together from a baseline of peace. So not activity, not like, okay, let's just do handstand. I mean, sure, we may do that from time to time. But the baseline is to get in touch with peace, which is impervious to external circumstance. So I had that and my teachers kind of nudged me and pushed me out. So in about a month, like active peace turns a year. Um, so that'll happen. There'll probably be another Prince class because Prince is the patron saint of active peace. So I always teach a class on his death day and his birthday. So his, his death day is on the 423. Next week, ridiculous. So on the 9th of March, I'm doing this, uh, talk with Parker Palmer and Sharon Salzberg about somatic awareness to global activists, right? So the other crazy thing that has happened is that universe and spirit put me in the middle of the resistance. And I now have a body of knowledge that I can share with other peacemakers all around the world. So they're going to interview me and talk about like my somatic awareness practice. And we're going to translate that to other activists around the globe. And these are some people who are in Afghanistan, all these other things. And, I, you know, this is how spirit works. Like, I didn't know that when I was doing all this stuff on Capitol Hill, that I was doing it to teach it. Right. So that's next on, on March the 9th, figuring out a way to continue to work with politicos, because it's crazy up there. And if we can figure out ways to make mindfulness more prevalent, then you make better decisions. And I've got the cred to go teach up there. So I'm hopeful to figure out ways to, cause I've, I've already taught like six or seven offices. So hopefully figure out ways that once the barriers come down because there's still like barbed wire and all this crazy stuff from the insurrection. So once that comes down, help people reground in like a peaceful space so they can let that go and we can like get to the business of healing. In my utopia, every political leader would practice yoga, meditation, and drink at least five sessions of ayahuasca. <laughs> then there'd really be peace on earth. <laughs> at least five. <laughs> Release all the childhood shit. <laughs> Get back to universal love. <laughs> Thank you. Whew. Oh, that was great. I love the name, by the way. Thank you. And the other thing that I would say, like, for that is that pre-pandemic, yoga was like a, an activity. Oh, man, I'm going to go do this thing. And, you know, I'm going to go to class, do the same shit, and then do headstand, and then go to my overcommitted life. And you would leave the class as amped as you came in. That's not what that's not what that's not what the yoga path has been for me. For me, the yoga path has been like getting increasingly peaceful, and then universe puts me into these wild ass situations, and like, okay, so what did we teach you? Okay, shoulders back and down, and through the nose, out through the nose. Okay, Madam Speaker, you know what I mean. So like, it yoga for me, especially given the fact that I've done my trainings while in theater, 
I didn't go to Bali, you know what I mean? No shade on people who did, but like I did my training while I was on the hill. So I learned and used these techniques for on the path of social justice. And so I had, I took the piece that I got in training and actively took it into the hill. So like, that's kind of how the whole, and now, I mean, everything's upside down with the pandemic. People need as much peace as they can. So that's what, that's what we're trying to offer. I forget who says this, but they say enlightenment is love in action. Yeah, yeah. Thing with activism, activism is love in action. Love for your brother, your sister, the people next to you. And it's bigger than you at its essence, right? Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with God? Have you always had a spiritual connection with the universe? And yeah, I grew up in the Baptist church, which is which is which which can be problematic, but it it really wasn't for me. Um, so I grew up in the Baptist church and always had, which is why I like getting into the more esoteric mystical aspects of spiritual practices is really nothing for me because, and I said this in an interview recently where I was like, so I grew up in the Christian church. Yoga made me a better Christian. My Buddhist practice made me a better yogi, <laughs> right? So like all those things together are, are what I offer, right? So I have like the dogma and the patriarchy never really been about that. But the love your neighbor as yourself, the do unto others as you would have done unto you, like those are the things that have been kind of like my guiding principle. And those get lost in mainstream church. And so I got disillusioned from the church um, in college actually. So very long story short, my sophomore year of college was the worst, right? So like almost got expelled and like brother's best friend shot himself, like all these things, the grandfather died and all this stuff. And I was in the Baptist student union and I stopped going because like the world was falling apart on me. And that's, that's also the reason why I started majoring in existential philosophy. I'm like, okay, everything's not making sense. And so hi Soren Kierkegaard, how are you? You know what I mean? So just totally dove into the, the deep end of that. Um, my friends at the Baptist Student Union were just like, you know, we're worried about your soul because you haven't been coming to Bible study. I was like, I'm worried about your soul because you haven't asked me how I'm doing. Oh my gosh, you know what I mean? So totally, and then, cur then started cursing. You don't curse. I'm just like, oh my God, like, please, you know what I mean? So totally just like went into outer space on them and was, was done with the church for a while. And then once I started like practicing yoga, like as, as discipline, it became natural to serve. Like it became natural to like strike up conversations with homeless people and like give them my extra, like all, all the things like yoga made me a better servant. And then now, like I said, I'm in like insight meditator training and socially engaged Zen Buddhist training because I just can't have enough. Those have refined my awareness to be a better servant based on my background, right? So like all of these things are coming together and two years from now, I might just like have robes and a gray beard and just kind of be like, if I can get a gray afro, that's the only thing I want really is like a gray fro. But oh, uh, you'll get one. Just give it some time. <laughs> hey, don't rush it, right? <laughs> Did the men in your family get it? What? Gray hairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so yes. And no, right? So like many of them are bald, but that is not. Oh, not your case. You got a full head of hair. Yeah, seriously. This is Cafrona, like for real though, right? It's, uh, 
Yeah, and I, we have like gray patches and I'm actually pretty excited about like some people are like, oh my God, I have gray hair. I'm like, I earned these, you kidding me? Like all the political work I've done, being black in this country, I, gray hair is a sign of wisdom. Bring it to. <laughs> so you're gonna be a sadhu in your brown <laughs> row, walking around barefoot DC <laughs> with Seriously. a sign in your hand. <laughs> Right, with all, my, all the beads. All too. your beads. Yeah, absolutely. What are you looking forward to for the future in terms of the world and how you see it changing and reorganizing itself? There is a beautiful thing that is taking place that I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of the ushering of that. Um, so a lot of studios are closing. And, you know, that's good and bad, right? You know, you, you never want to have anyone's lifestyle or livelihood be torn from them. And to some extent, maybe that wasn't the best way for the practice to serve, right? So one of the things that has been able to happen through like Active Peace, but other platforms, but Active Peace is way in, ahead on this, is that um, we've got people from Berlin to Hawaii, like connecting and forming Sangha and and doing asana practice together and those sorts of things so when we're able to reconnect can you imagine that cross-pollination yeah incredible you know what i mean so all walks of life um people who have been have had active practice for years people who are just getting started are all together in black hippies hatha virtual extravaganza and so that connection and, and I even said this recently to a bunch of teachers where they're just like, do you miss teaching in person? I'm like, no, nah, actually, this has made me a better teacher because I'm teaching from here. Mm. Right? So in here. So I've got to be clear here and wide open here. And if that is manifested, I don't really need to, I mean, would love to see folks, but like, I don't need to per se, because true connection, shout out to D-Light, is in the heart. This is the true connection. And if I can transmit through this little brown dot or through whatever, through the ethers, that is teeth, like that's, 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 the, that's a trick, right? So figuring out how to connect and use that to our collective advantage, I'm excited about that. Yeah, you know what? You bring up a good point because before the pandemic, when technology really surfaced into our society and our culture, I saw a chasm in the way that people connected. They wanted to connect, but there was this false sense of connection of being virtual instead of really connected through the heart. Right. But I noticed after the pandemic, it's our only source to connect is right. through technology so there definitely has been that shift and can you imagine if that's like factored into the way people connect and teach and offer right so like i don't necessarily need to be everywhere i can like plant a flag and be like come holler um and like we can supplement that with physicality but like to use like this medium, because I'll share something else crazy with you because you seem to be like wild like me. I bought tuning forks yesterday. So I, I went to like a Reiki thing online and bought these tuning forks so I can get my voice right, right? Because if I'm transmitting, if it's all heart energy and throat energy and I can get that refined into whatever the natural vibration is, right? Like, like that level of refinement 
is possible now. I love it. I love that you yeah. thought of that. See, that's what meditate meditation. Be, you know, you know how it is. Meditation, like the higher mind says, you're just like, like you want me to do what? Like buy tuning ports? Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> or, all right. <laughs> Oh my God. That's how I felt with this podcast. Like, you want me to start a podcast? What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that voice. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty. Yeah. Okay. That's the beauty of this practice, too, is your ability to hear. It's right. so much more clear. Yep. Your inner voice. And her voice is like, <clears throat> yeah. Uh-huh. That's the other thing too, is that I am, um, for years, I would be like, um, oh, la, 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 I don't hear anything, na, 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 And then, you know, you pretend like you don't hear and then they start to scream. And when they start to scream, nobody likes that. So mm-hmm. like, I've gotten to the point now where I know the differences. First, there's like a, <clears throat> right? Then there's a. Yo. <laughs> yeah. Then. There is a huge foot <laughs> that is placed somewhere on your posterior, you know, whether it be lower back, upper ass, like whatever you want to call it, like, like it becomes like, <laughs> like you know, because like once you get on the path, there's no turning back. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't be like, oh, I'm, I don't see anything now. No, 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 no. Like, so like once you're on, you're on. So. What I've been teaching people, especially who like who seem to be getting into the discipline, I'm just like, just surrender. Like, stop mm-hmm. analyzing. Just surrender. You want me to get two in forks? Okay, I got the money. Sure, right on. Like, cool. Like, because that same voice was the one that was just like, hey, send that social media post out and see if anyone will go come to your class. Right, and active pieces become a thing. You know what I mean? Like, that same voice was just like move from Colorado to DC and see what happens in the resistance. <laughs> oh, but you know, like when that voice is like, yo, you should try this. That's the inner teacher and the inner teacher has not let me down yet. Mm, beautiful. I'd love to hear it. So where can people find you, Reggie? So we are at www.activepeaceyoga.com. Uh, that is the main platform for the virtual asana and dharma and meditation that i offer instagram is already global so that's like the adventures of black hippie so like it's super yogic and super political and like some freestyle videos that just come from that voice like you need to say this okay um and uh, active peace yoga on instagram is the ig specific to the practice i have a couple friends that i'd like to introduce you to They have a foundation called Nationhood. My best friend started it with five other people. And what it is, look into it. You can go to, the. I think it's thenationhood.com. But basically, it's a digital toolkit for people to have tools and a step-by-step guide of how to engage specifically with policy on a state, on a local level, and also a federal level. Maybe there's something that you guys can do together. Okay, cool. A lot of people don't know what even clemency is. Right, right. Or know that you can do something about it, right? Or you can organize for that to be an option. 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's something I really saw the power of this past year is the power of the people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something else that um, excites me too. That I mean, we talked about the yogic stuff, but the I believe that this election was the tipping point from white supremacy if we stay engaged. I mean, the numbers are in our favor. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris got 17 million more votes than Hillary Clinton in a pandemic. <laughs> okay, so if that level of engagement can be maintained and we the people begin to view civic engagement as we do shopping at the grocery store, the level of granular change for our collective benefit is ridiculous. So to your point, yeah, the power of the people, if they can stay engaged and we give them the tools to remain engaged, like America will be the America that we know it can be and not this like white supremacist, um, whatever the hell is happening on the Republican party right now. What else can we do, Reggie? For someone like me, for someone who is not in the political field, but mm. wants to encourage others to stay active. One is that um, don't view it as all or nothing, right? Like view it as part of a continuum, right? So you may not have gotten what you wanted this time, but that doesn't mean that you stop. That's one. Two is that um, just start having regular conversations about the process. Like we need to normalize conversations about policy. Like we need to like normalize, like normalize conversations about, use this as an opportunity for civic education as well as civic engagement, right? So like, this is what clemency is. Like, this is how it impacts you. Because the other, the other thing is that people don't know how this impacts them. So whether it be through art or other multimedia or through like conversation, which is art, um, creating avenues and opportunities for people to see like, if this, then this, like, so like people, like the process is very opaque right now by design. And so if we can have a level of transparency and people see how it works for them, then they'll want to be engaged. But right now, this is, oh, I don't know, it's too complicated. Blah, blah, blah. It's really not that complicated, but it is perceived to be that way. And you and I both know that perception is, 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 a big, is the biggest part of it. Thank you for your time, Reggie. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Absolutely. Thank you for reaching out. Loved it as well. Thank you for making me laugh to the point of tears. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the best. Active Likewise. Peace Yoga, right on. So thank you. And however I can be helpful, um, let me know. All right. Thank you. Love it, Bye. Peace.